0: Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Oh man, I'm so excited to be here this morning. How about you? I just have to say that I'm I'm so blessed. I really am uh, by those of you who just, um, you know, show us your love and your appreciation. Um, you know, pastors like to complain sometimes it's not the easiest job, and it isn't, but we love it. We, we love being able to be available and to share with you truth um, along the journey that can help you to really tap into the truth of who you are. And it's so, so very important. And so we don't take it lightly, um, but just each one of you, it's just great to see you here this morning, and we do appreciate you and uh, for you giving us the ability to speak into your life. And so this morning I want to continue and actually wrap up um, a current series we've been running called Now's the Time. Say, "Now's Now's the Time. First thing I'm going to have you do, though, is pull out your phones. One reason is because you can follow along. We put notes on the YouVersion Bible app. But the first reason right now is open your Facebook and check in. I've been forgetting to say this, but what this does is it, it allows that. I want to hear about the algorithm. Nobody knows what it is, but apparently it's something out there. But it allows the algorithm to, to push things more to the feeds of those that you are friends with, including these services and posts from Faith City. So just go ahead and check in. And try to remember to do that every week. We'll try to remember to tell you, uh, but it's really important because we, we really want more than just those who are here. What's up? Oh, how to do... Yeah. I'm not too savvy with all that, but... She's got you. So if you don't know how to check in, ask Pastor Kristen, apparently, because Pastor Andy doesn't get on Facebook hardly anymore. But... but I know people do. And it's important that people hear this message of God's love and grace. Come on, somebody. How many know it's radically changed your life to see God not as some... Um, just crazy, whacked out, aggressive, retributive person, but as someone who loves and cares for us, amen? And so we can have that connection. And so you can also follow along in the Bible app. It's super easy. You can open up that app. And then down in the left-hand or right-hand corner, I believe, there's a More tab, hit More, select Events, and then it should pop up right in your feed there, Face City, Michigan campus. But follow along. It's really good to follow along and kind of, you know, if you go along with where we are and add your own notes, it helps you to remember. Say, I need to remember. That's right. And so what we're going to do is we're going to continue uh, this series, Now's the Time. And today I want to talk about leaning into God. Now is the time to lean into God. Say, now's the time to lean into God. You know, we've talked over the last few weeks about this idea of now's the time, which I think, you know, whenever you start something in January, you know, whether it's maybe a work idea, kind of a goal setting, vision planning meeting, or it's church, we're trying to get people into this, we kind of feel like it's a clean slate. But what we really felt was the most valuable thing for you is to realize that now is the time, the very first thing we talked about, now is the time to be present. Sometimes with everything going on in life, we forget about being present. We're so caught up in everything around us. This happens to us too, right, as pastors. Everything going around that you just, you kind of forget about being present. And so we really encourage you to make, if you haven't done this in a while, make this year the year to say, you know what, I need to set time aside to be quiet and listen. There's nothing wrong with that. It's important that we have that time with God. Now, for you, it may be the morning. For others, it might be lunchtime. For some, it might be the evening. Whatever works for you. But find time. And I'm not just talking about time to just pray and, 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 you know, go down the list of things. That's okay, too. But a time to be quiet and listen and learn to hear the voice of God in your own life. But then out of that comes these thoughts, this thought life. And so we talked about now's the time to choose your thoughts. It's important that we use the word choose because did you realize you can choose the thoughts? You can choose what you meditate on. I mean, the scriptures tell us and and, and through the prophets and scripture, God is saying to us, meditate on my word day and night. What is it God is saying about you, not what others are saying about you? What is it that God is saying about your current situation, not what the world and come on, you can get caught up in that. I mean, for some of us, we need to just maybe turn the news off. Let me tell you something, if you really need to know when it's that much of an issue, you'll hear about it. Come on. For some of us, we need to shut off those those exterior voices and learn to hear the interior voice. And what are we meditating on? Now's the time to choose our thoughts. And then last week, uh, we had Pastor Chris and Tabitha Blue here. Wasn't that just wonderful having them? It had been a year and a half since I'd physically seen my sister. We talk on the phone and stuff, but how many know it's different when you're together? But Pastor Chris talked about now's the time to choose your words. And so there's this, there's this flow. What we meditate on, what we think on, it, it, it ends up with our words. And I say this that words are a litmus test to what we've been meditating and thinking about. That'll come out of your mouth. And so none of us, none of us have arrived in this. It's so funny. I was talking to someone. Just a couple days ago, and I said that um, I was I was driving in the town, and I just I had to be somewhere. I had a meeting, you know. I'm I'm thinking about that meeting and what's going on and what I need to do. And has anyone ever got behind someone who doesn't know which side the gas pedal's on? And so you know, sometimes I'll say something like, "It's the one on the right," you know, like because I love them and I want to help them. But but I found in this moment, and and I listen. Will you still love me in the morning? That's what I'm asking right now. Because in that moment of just needing to be somewhere, out of my mouth, I started to say, my gosh, would you just speed up you? You know, it might have been idiot or something was about to come out of my mouth. And here's the great thing, is just before it came out, I stopped and I caught myself. Why? Because I've been practicing the presence of God. I've been meditating on different things than what I normally would, and my words have changed. And here's the great thing. If, if you're in a situation where you just sometimes stuff comes out to you like, did that just come out of my mouth? Listen, don't, don't take on shame. The very fact that you are aware that this is not the thing you should be saying and it's not who you are is a good thing. And so it's in those moments where I stop myself and I just went, you know, God, I'm, forgive me for that. That's, that's not who I am. I don't know what they're going through. Who knows what they're going through in life. And and it it puts you in a place where you begin to have empathy and care for others rather than just for yourself. Because really what I was doing was being selfish. This is my time. This is my road. I own it. I pay taxes. You know how that goes. But it's in those moments we start to see that. But today what I want to do is I want to talk about this leaning into God. Now is the time to lean into God. And and I love what Proverbs says here in Proverbs chapter 3. It says, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. Doesn't say some. Doesn't say if you get a chance. It says, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. And look at this lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what will happen? He shall direct your paths. I think we're all pretty familiar with this idea of leaning into something. It's, it's a pretty famous thing. We say lean in or lean into. It's an expression that means to what? To embrace, to, to fully engage with, to actively pursue something like an idea, a concept, a situation, or a course of action. And so when you, you see this writer saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not, we can actually say, if he's saying, don't lean on your own understanding, then we could by, I guess, what he's saying, say, okay, then what we lean into is the Lord. We lean into the Lord. That means we trust the Lord. And what's interesting here in the Hebrew, the word heart, trust in the Lord with all your heart, as the word lave, it's spelled L-E-B in the Hebrew, it's lave. It means soul, inner part, get this, seat of appetites, emotions, and passions. So literally, with everything you are, because how many know, like, it's great that I have this flesh suit on because it allows me to stay here on earth with you guys. What better life could I live? But how many know this isn't me? I'm spirit. I was created. God breathed life into me and into you, and we became a living what? Spirit. That's who we are. And so with everything that we are from the internal, he's saying, trust in the Lord with all of that. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I like this in the message. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Get this. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Can you see how we're coming full circle with this idea of now is the time? See, it begins with that prayer and that meditation and that just being quiet. Be still and know that I am God. And we have to put ourselves into those situations, don't we? It has to be intentional. And so, you know, this isn't a law message. It's a grace message because you have the grace to find time to be alone and to listen. It doesn't have to be hours and hours and hours. Start with five minutes, work up to 10, work up to 15 or 20, because at first it's going to seem awkward. And I've said this before, it's awkward because we're used to constant things being on and, and just noise, right? My wife and I, it's like, we can't sleep unless we have a fan on. Isn't that sad? I get it. But like that white noise, it just does something for us. It allows us to sleep. Whenever we go to a hotel, for some reason we forget and then we're laying and we're like, oh man, we don't have a fan And what do we do? We found an app that will mimic the sound of a fan. I know that's so sad. Just pray for us. Just pray for us. But see, we're so used to noise. We just, and and there's this, there's something about being quiet, being still and knowing. It's, It's not magic. Okay, it's not a formula. It's just how the human psyche and mind work. We need stillness. We need quiet. And how many know we won't get that unless we intentionally seek it out? But we have to choose... To trust. There, there's a, a point where we say, okay, God, I trust you. Some of us pray to, we call it the sinner's prayer. Some of us have just awakened to what it means to be a son or daughter of God. But in either case... We have to awaken and see it, and then we have to step by faith and trust that God is real. God wants to, to be connected with us. We have to awaken to that connection, and then when we do, we have this life we can pursue, which really is to be the best version of ourselves, the best version that God has created. And guess what? That's already within you. Say, it's already within. So years ago, when I was, I was probably about eight or nine years old, um, I was terrified of water. And, I mean, I could handle, like, you know, splashing around maybe up to here or so. But, like, anything that was, you know, you get up to here, it's like panic time. Over my head, forget it. Hello, Jesus, I'm coming to see you, right? Which is, you know, kind of crazy. It's just water. But to me, I was terrified of it. And so my parents wanted to help me. At the time, I didn't see it as help. But they wanted to help me. And so they signed me up at the YMCA for swim lessons. And, and, you know, I was not excited about this at all. But there was something in me that thought, you know, if I can learn to not be afraid and I can just learn how to keep afloat, I think I'll be okay. And so we went for the first couple of weeks. And they're just taking time to get you used to the water. You're not in anything over your head yet. You know, uh, there's someone there the whole time. They're kind of teaching you some moves and ways to float. And it was crazy. Like, you literally can just go up on your back. And if you're not freaking and stressing out, you can float. It's just the wildest thing, you know. And so they're teaching and training this stuff. But then they told us now, next week, prepare yourselves. It's going to be so great because we're going to jump off the diving board into the deep end. And I was like, heck no. And my parents said, yes, you are. You need to overcome this fear. And so the next week came around. How many know I was sweating bullets? The whole week, I'm like, I, 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 don't know, I don't know about this. And so next week comes around, and we get in there. I'm thinking, hopefully the instructors forgot. We can just splash around in the shallow end a little bit. Guess what? They remembered. And so I remember taking that walk around the pool Because it was like an Olympic-sized pool. It was big. At least to me, everything seemed big when you're eight or nine, right? And that diving board seemed way up there. And climbing up that ladder, just terror, just fear. I remember walking up to the edge of it, and I'm just standing there. And, like, you ever just been in situations where you freeze and you just feel like you can't move? They're not asking me to do flips or anything. They're like, just jump in and swim to the side. But I'm like, but you don't understand. That's deep water. That side seems way too far to go. But what they did is they said, listen, if, if you're too afraid or if you feel a little bit like, you know, unnerved with this, what we're going to do is we're going to, we have this, there was a long aluminum pole. You know, you ever seen those poles? They use probably like to vacuum and, and do stuff, uh, nets or whatever to clean the pool. He, the instructor said, we're going to put that right in front of you, and all you have to do is jump off and grab onto that, and we will pull you in. Well, how many know that still didn't convince me at first? Like I'm picturing, they're like yanking it away and then laughing at me. Right? Come on, we create all kinds. Of, it, you think about this. Worry is just kind of projecting something in the future that hasn't even happened. And at eight or nine years old, I'd already figured out how to do that. And so I finally jumped off. I grabbed that pole. I'm surprised I didn't crush the thing with my amazing eight or nine year old strength, like terror, right? Grabbed it and they pulled me through. But I'll tell you what, going through that experience, it doesn't mean I was completely unafraid of water, but I was a little more comfortable. Why? I had faith. I had trust that instructor would hold on tightly to that pole. And when I jumped off and grabbed it, that he would make sure I didn't drown and I would get to the other side. Come on, somebody. And sometimes that's really what our life is in this world when it comes to our relationship with God. Because we live in a very suspicious, mistrusting time. I mean it's I mean, has anyone realize how polarizing everything can become? Especially if you're, you know, on social media a lot. It's like everyone has an opinion and theirs is right. There's no room for conversation. And then what happens is fear creeps in because we're like, well, which is the right side? Which one should I I, I go with? And I'm not saying we can't have opinions, but I have found this, that if we can just trust God and trust the kingdom and look in the scripture and, and have our quiet time, it's easier to kind of weed out stuff and say, okay, what's right for me right now, Holy Spirit? And we'll get answers to that. But because we live in these times where it can seem suspicious and mistrusting, People have really become unsure of others, of their motivations, of their intentions. It's like we almost have this suspicious idea of what are they up to. Well, maybe nothing, but how do we know? Because we live in a society of betrayal and greed and corruption, and it's made many of us question everything that we've held on to so dearly. We would question government and parents and bosses and, and religion and all these different things, and really, let's be honest, just people in general. Has anyone ever felt this way? And so that's the times that we live in. But here's the thing. We're we're so saturated in this suspicious, jaded culture at times that we find it hard to actually trust God. For some of us, because we've lost that capacity for trust. And so through this scripture, trust in the Lord with all your heart, it's a great Sunday morning thing that we can hear from a preacher behind the pulpit what is that really saying? To give everything you are to this God and say, I trust you with everything that I am. I refuse to lean on my own understanding. That's a tough thing. In fact, this word trust here in the Hebrew is the word patak, and it means bold, secure, confident. Get this, it means to feel safe. Some of us haven't felt safe in a relationship for what could be years because of betrayal because of just mistrust and so how can we trust god but the writer is saying talk jehovah trust the lord to lean not on our own understanding but to lean into him that word lean means to recline or lean against i think of a recliner I mean, come on, guys. We all I'm sure some of you are going to be in that recliner today at like 6.30. No, some of you at 3 because you want to see who we're going to play in the Super Bowl. Hallelujah, because we're going. All right, I'm, it's not a prophecy. I don't know. Could be wrong. I heard they stone false prophets, so let's just say they might win. But it's something to recline against. When you recline, think about this. You're relaxing into something. And he says, in all your ways, we're talking about life's journey, that path, acknowledge him. In the Hebrew, that word acknowledge means to know by experience or to learn to know. This is why it's so important that we find that quiet time to be still and what? Know. And I know it seems odd. It goes against the grain of everything we've been told because we are a society And listen, I like to dig, I like to study, I like to look into all those things. But for me, I had to learn this practice of sometimes putting all that down and just being quiet. And I've told you before that what that has done is allowed the scripture to open up even more to me because of being able to be quiet and be still and know. It's in those moments and we begin to know the Spirit of God, and no matter what we go through, we, we don't negate, we don't sweep stuff under the rug. Listen, we have the feelings when people betray us or lie about us or we lose a job or we get a bad doctor's report. I get it. That's, that's real. That's real life. But in the m- midst of that, because of that time, there's an inner knowing that God is with me. That God has got my back in this situation. And when we acknowledge him, this is so cool, it says, he will direct your path. That phrase in the Hebrew literally means to straighten or smooth. So not just telling you, yeah, go that way, turn that way. It's straightening things. It's smoothing things out. When I read that, I was thinking about the other day um, with all the snow and the ice. It's like we get snow and then ice and then it just kept building up. And so the walkway excuse me, from our driveway up to the front door, like it was so bad you could barely clear it off. We were just waiting for a little bit, right? Because the ice just packs and stuff. And so with, um, you know, a little bit of time, a little bit of temperature raising, a little bit of of my sons doing their job and clearing stuff off, hallelujah. I told them once, I've done this, I did my time, now it's yours. Come on, somebody. That's back when we had chores and stuff. Anyone, come on, anyone around 40, 50, remember those days? We even had charts we had to check off, dear God. But yesterday, I was coming home from, I was up here studying, and I I went home, and when I pulled in the driveway, it was just crazy. Like, I I walked up just a couple days before, you couldn't see your way, and you had to be careful because it wasn't smooth. Well, it was really smooth. Yeah, so smooth, you'd be on your rear end. But what I'm saying is, it was kind of choppy, and there were spots you'd hit. And, you, and you could, I couldn't see, like, where the grass and, and the cement, you know, uh, end, would end and begin. But as I walked up, it was like, ah, Like, with the warmth and the rain, it was so cool. Like, I saw this cement all the way up. I know you're like, dude, it's okay. It's just cement. All I'm saying is, you know, this is how Holy Spirit speaks to me. I saw that, and I thought of this verse. He will make my path smooth and straight. I could see all the way up to the steps. It was amazing. But some think about this. Sometimes we need that in life, don't we? Have you ever just felt like I don't feel like I can even see the path? That's great that you know your words are light on my path, but like the path you are lighting up looks. Where is the path? But see, it's in these moments where we acknowledge, when we are like, I want to know you by experience. I want to learn to know you. I want to hear your voice. I know that you were directing me. That means to straighten or smooth the path. What's the path? That's our way of living. It's our way of walking through this life. And how many know this isn't something that just happens overnight? I've been on this journey for a long time. You know, my testimony is usually... You know, I I was, my my dad had a crazy testimony. Mine was, you know, luckily he found Jesus, or Jesus found him, or however you want to look at it. And he got out of that lifestyle he was in, because God knows if I'd even be alive today. But my testimony is not so amazing. It's like I was seven, and we pulled it in front of my grandma's house, and I went, hey, I'd like to know Jesus. And my dad led me in a prayer. It was great. You know, I heard one comedian say once he's like, These guys are coming up, yeah, I was addicted to crack and had all this stuff. And this guy's like, Man, God, I wish I was addicted to crack because they don't think that their testimony is as big of a deal, right? But for me, since I was seven years old, it's been this journey of learning. And I would say that in the last 10 years, especially, it's just like fast forward. And and it takes time, but I know this, I haven't arrived. I have so much further to go. But here's the beauty of it. Because I know the love that God has for me, how much God cares for me, I'm not stressing about it. I'm not sweating the small stuff. I'm not even sweating the big stuff. I'm serious. I don't, I don't wonder about well, where will I be in eternity or does God love me today? That stuff's already like, it's a done deal. Come on, somebody. Isn't that amazing? But it doesn't mean that adversity doesn't come my way. Doesn't mean that I don't get bad reports. Doesn't mean that I don't have a bad day. But it's in the midst of those things that I can come back to the center of everything and say, God, you know me more than anyone, even better than I know myself. Has anyone here ever bought a gift or? Or something for their kid that had to be put together? seems like more now than, than ever. It's just, it's, it's like, how did they fit this in this, this box? But it's because you get to put it together. Yeah, yeah. Today is like putting together stuff. And how many know that, you know, instructions are important? Now, again, there's this thing about guys who don't want to follow instructions, and I've had those times. But have you ever, th- listen, even been following the instructions and you're about, like, out of 12 steps, you're on, you know, step six. And you realize that at step two, you put that thing in backwards or upside down. Anyone? Is everyone else just perfect with this? And, you put, and then you're like, oh, my gosh, i got to go back five steps and take everything back apart to get to step two. And I'm telling you how many times. Sometimes I've wasted an hour trying to figure out how could I do it and keep it wrong. Like, it's like, dude, you just wasted all... Come on, jeans with me. You just wasted time. Just take it apart and redo it. But think about this. The person that designed that product, that knows that product, probably doesn't need the instructions because they designed it from the ground up. And so I think about God is our creator. He designed us from the ground literally up what better person to talk to and communicate with about me about yourself cuz he doesn't need an instruction manual he knows you better than you know yourself and so all he's saying in in all of these in all this intimate detail in which he knows you is he's saying you can trust me in fact it might start with a question will you trust me But then once you say yes and you start to go down that path and maybe you're a little reserved, kind of like me on the diamond board, wasn't quite sure. Maybe he'll extend that that, uh, aluminum rod just to make you feel comfortable. Listen, I'm with you. I'm with you. Will you trust me? And then it becomes, uh, you can trust me. We're on the journey together. In fact, the writer of Numbers says it like this. God is not man, one given to lies, and not a son of man changing his mind. Does he speak and not do what he says? Does he promise and not come through? Now, we know these are rhetorical questions. I believe the writer's saying to both of these um, no, God does what he says, and when he promises, he does come through. But so many times, again, we've been jaded, we've been betrayed, we've been hurt because human beings just have this tendency to fail. Let's just be honest. I was talking to someone the other day, and they said, you know, I realized something, and we all come to this place. The reason we get let down so much is we put expectations on people that they'll probably never meet. Come on, husbands and wives. Sometimes we need to, now don't go home and go, you know what I figured out today, Pastor? Son? I'm lowering my expectations for you. Uh, but what I'm saying is we put expectations on people. That's why we're let down. And this is something that we have to learn in life. How do we not put, I mean, yes, we expect certain things of people. But when someone acts a fool, well, maybe they're not at that place. So maybe don't expect that. So sometimes we're we're fooling ourselves. But what he's saying in this is, listen, man will let you down. They will fail you. But I will never be like a man who lies. I will come through for you. The writer of Hebrews says it like this, and God's saying, for he himself has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. You know what that takes? It takes trust. Now's the time to lean into God, to say, I trust you, I take you at your word, what I hear in my quiet time, what I see in scripture, how I see Jesus interact with people, because how many know that the writer of Hebrews also said that Jesus is the exact Say that word, exact representation of God. So if you see Jesus do it, that's how God is. Sometimes we separate the, or two, the two and go, "Yeah, Jesus was a pretty cool dude." You know, he was—he just accepted people where they were, and his his kindness drew them to repentance and change in their life. But somehow we separate it, and God's like this crazy—he's like someone who should actually be—we should call CPS on this father, right? But if, if you see Jesus do it or say it, that's how God says and does. For he himself has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. I really want you to see, to grasp the magnitude of God's love and care for you. You're going to hear this probably week in and week out. Some people have said, I'm the love, pastor. Well, I'm telling you, the foundation of it all is Love. If you understand how much you're loved, it will radically transform your life. And so I want us to see the magnitude of that love and that care because this is the only way that we can truly trust God. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Uncertainty is a faith killer. Now, I'm not talking about Bible apologetics, like we must be certain the scripture says. It's funny, people say the scripture says, but I can talk to 10 different pastors who have different ideas of what that really means. And they've done their homework, right? When I'm talking about uncertainty, I'm talking about that love that God has for us. If you're uncertain about whether God will abandon you or fail you or not, how can you trust him? If this issue isn't settled in your heart, you'll lie awake at night wondering whether you're good enough, whether you've done enough to impress him. And then guess what? You'll set aside grace to maybe take out a little little works insurance just to be safe. That doesn't mean that works aren't important. But when I discovered that those good works that I do were already put in me, why? So that I should walk them out. I realized something. It's not a matter of the work. It's why I'm doing the work. Am I doing it out of obligation because if I don't, God may withhold some love. He may not bless me as much. Or is it out of a place of inspiration that God's love is so big and so strong. His grace is more than sufficient that because of that, all I want to do is what God's will is for for my life. I heard someone say this. I can't remember who it was. It's just one of those things that stuck with me. They said, you can't have great faith believing in a bad God. Think about that. How could you? Because when we talk about faith, we're talking about trust. We're talking about leaning and reclining into, saying, I give you everything I am. How can you do that with somebody who's not good? I mean, you know, God's good. Tell me, Bruce. All the time. time. But we have to see that. And do you know this? This is wild to me. If you read the four gospels, I believe 89 chapters, there were only two people that Jesus identified as having great faith. In 89 chapters. And get this, it wasn't religious people. It was a Roman centurion and a Canaanite woman. Think about this. What do both of those people have in common? Well, firstly, they both were outside of the popular religious system of the time. They weren't even part of that system. Not only that, they loved God, not out of fear, not of, out of coercion or obedience, but rather because they believed that God was completely and thoroughly good and that they could trust him. That's the way I want to live. Right? Their value, their, their self-worth, their wholeness, weren't seen as being based on their performance, but rather on the unconditional love of God. It's like I've said before, why does God love you? Simply because you exist. In fact, his love is what brought you into existence. It's so important that we understand this. For them, there was no shame or guilt because there was no condemnation for them. Instead, they saw God as pure grace and they had a relationship with him established only by his unconditional love. And when Jesus saw these people, he responded with, wow, now those people get it. They understand the love the father has for them. And what did he say? They had great faith. They were like, Proverbs tells us, they trusted God with their whole heart. They didn't lean on their own understanding, what they knew, how they were brought up, what they were taught, what they were told was true. They believed ultimately in the love of God, in the grace of God and said, I trust God. And sadly, so much of what we're taught by Western Christianity doesn't encourage great faith. In fact, it does what Matthew tells tells us it steals, kills and destroys it so today I want you to determine to have courage to live against that faithless system and rest and center your faith on the daily certainty that God's grace is sufficient his love is everlasting and let me say this you can trust him I say this by experience, and God is no respecter of persons. Hebrews four sixteen. I love this. It says, let us therefore come boldly, say boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to what? Help in the time of need. Now, something to understand as we bring this to a close this morning is that this whole chapter, chapter four, is a call to enter the rest that God has provided through Jesus, our high priest. Now, if you read Hebrews, you might be like, whoa, what is all this high priest talk, this blood? It's because the Hebrews, that's what they understood. And so basically the writer through all of this was saying that whether it's high priest, the priesthood, angels, whatever it is, Jesus is like the best, the greatest out of all this, right? But in this chapter, they're called to enter the rest that God's provided. But here he says... Why do we come boldly to the throne of grace? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to, what's the word again? Help in time of need. This word help in the Greek is the word baathea, and it means to be reinforced. Think about that, to be reinforced. The definition goes on to say, like a rope or chain is used to frap a ship in a storm. Now, how many, how many here are sailors, captains? Put my hand down because that's not me. I don't understand nautical speak. When, you ever watch a show they're like, yeah, do something to the stern, and, and you're like, yeah, I've, I lost it. Maybe there's some subtitles or something. I'll figure it out. There's a storm. They're trying to do stuff, right? I don't understand what a stern, and a stern and a bow and all that stuff are and how that works. Starboard, what is this? Are we liking Star Wars? I don't get it. But apparently, if you're a nautical person, you do. But why would this language be used? In fact, what's really interesting is the same word here uh, in Greek for helps is used in Acts chapter 27, verse 17, when it's talking about the apostle Paul was in a storm on a boat, get this, for 14 days. 14 days. In the, can you imagine that? I can't imagine 30 minutes in a storm on a ship especially if I don't have any Dramamine. It's like, that dude's gone. Like, he's worthless to us right now. But they use the same word because it helps undergird the ship. So when a boat was in danger of sinking, what the crew would do is they would strap these ropes or these chains around the hull of the ship to keep it from falling apart. And they believe that with this added support, the boat would have a good chance of surviving the, the storming water, right? And, and so they, they call it frapping the boat. When I hear frap, I just think Starbucks, right? It's like there's a storm, dude. Here's a, here's a vanilla frap. Take the edge off. But for them, frapping the boat, the helps was these ropes and these chains that will go around the hull to help keep it together. Let me say something. When you're going through something in life, you can boldly approach the throne to obtain mercy and grace. To what? To help. Say that word help. To help. Literally what God's saying is, listen, anything you're going through, I will be the rope in the chain to undergird you. I will hold you together. He never promised we wouldn't go through storms. In fact, if you look through scripture, it's like, oh, looks like we're gonna. Hallelujah. This is great. We're gonna go through the storm, but in the midst of that, it's in that quiet time where we can say, you know what? I need to all the all the voices need to shut down. I'm gonna be quiet right now. Right? I want to hear the voice of God, and I just want to see. Oh, I can see it. There's my rope. There's my there's my chain. There's that undergirding for my life, holding me together. The phrase "help in time of need" means that you have the reinforcement and undergirding necessary to weather even the greatest storms of life. Why and how? by his grace, by his grace. But again, it comes down to the single question. Will you choose to trust him? Will you stand with me? Say this with me. Now is the time to lean into God. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. And I just want to say this from even my own experience is that we can trust our heavenly father. We can feel completely confident. We can feel completely safe with him, no matter what we're going through. But we only get to this place when we acknowledge him. It's not that he isn't working, but it puts us in a place where we awaken to the truth that God is there. He's for us, he's not against us. His love is magnificent. The Apostle Paul even gave us the the great task of measuring the height, the width, the breadth, the depth of the love of God. Because the Apostle Paul knew something. You'd never in a single lifetime be able to measure that. But let's try. And we know by the writer of Hebrews that his grace is sufficient. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. I love that they wrote the throne of grace. grace, Literally, what God sits on is grace. That's so amazing. And so if you're going through something this morning, just say this with me. Heavenly Father, I trust you with everything that I am, every concern that I have. I cast that care on you because you care for me. you, Heavenly Father. I receive that gift of grace and undergrad. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Isn't God good? Whew. Now's the time to lean in. And guess what? If you if you feel like, man, I, just, I haven't leaned in in a while, it's okay at any point. What do you say? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He won't abandon you. Lean in. It's that trust fall idea, right? Just trust fall into that. Doesn't mean that everything's going to become like the clouds open and the sun's shining and there's rainbows. I mean, you might still be going through the storm, but guess what? His grace is undergirding you in the midst of those storms. Amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always,